This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Did I just say November 1st? Well, that puts Thanksgiving a mere three weeks out. And you know what that means. We'll be sliding into Christmas just four weeks later and singing Old Lang Syne a week after that. I mean, come on, world. Slow down. You move too fast. Besides, I'm simply not quite ready for winter. I mean, fall just got here, but so it goes. Well, I hope you enjoyed Tarji Carter's visit last week. That young lady is like a beacon, and while the light she brings to the business of franchising is still in its early days, it's all good, and she's literally just getting started. And despite the speed at which I feel things are moving, Tarji's got nothing but time to continue making a positive impact on the franchise business and those getting into it that she helps to guide. This week, we're going to hear from a restaurant icon and powerhouse franchisor when Paul D'Amico joins us with the tale of his journey and storied career. But first, let me remind you to please visit our new website where you can leave reviews, make guest suggestions, stream, download, or subscribe to Franchise Today from a dozen or more platforms. And search hundreds of episodes spanning a dozen years. And yeah, please do leave a review. You can find us at FranchiseTodayPodcast.com. That's FranchiseTodayPodcast.com. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to begin blogging there as well. Now, what do Mo Southwest Grill, Focus Brands, Naf Naf Grill, Great American Cookie, Marble Slab Ice Cream, Hot Dog on a Stick, Pretzel Maker, Round Table Pizza, and Fuzzy's Taco Shop all have in common. Well, they've all been led by three-time undercover boss Paul D'Amico at some point during his 40-year culinary and franchising journey. When I return in two minutes or less, Paul will join me right here to dish on all of that and more. Don't go away. Franchise Today will be right back, but first a word from our sponsors. Franchisors of restaurants, bars, and grills, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. If you're looking to engage guests, elevate profits, and enhance your customer experience, Atmosphere TV is the answer. What's Atmosphere, you ask? Atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses, here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages. Atmosphere provides you with a free programming option, bringing more than 60 ultra-engaging audio-optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket. So, how does it work? Well, it's easy. Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device loaded with over 60 channels of eye-grabbing entertainment. From news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals, every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. So, stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV instead. Just go to atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code FRANCHISE. 
eyes, and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free-to-stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at atmosphere.tv, and remember, use the code FRANCHISE to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. Paul D'Amico grew up on Long Island in New York. He holds three degrees in culinary and restaurant management, including a doctorate of business administration in restaurant, food, and beverage management earned at Johnson & Wales University. Paul began the first 14 years of his career working for the host Marriott organization, working on travel plazas and airport development before getting into the more traditional side of the restaurant and franchise business many years later. He's had a spectacular career leading up to his most recent assignment as CEO of Fuzzy's Taco Shop, but as he'll explain, it hasn't all been roses. But as you'll hear, he is fired up and excited to take this emerging brand nationwide. Paul D'Amico, welcome to Franchise Today. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure having you, Paul. We've been around each other, I guess, here in Atlanta for years and years and years. And it just seems like the people that I live closest to are the ones I see fewest. It's funny funny how that works. It really is. But Paul, we start every week the same way. And with you, it's going to be a slight little twist because none of us get into franchising voluntarily. We didn't find it. It found us. That's not the same when it comes to food and restaurant hospitality and the business of food. And that's your story, isn't it? It is. So why don't you tell us a bit about the intentionality of you getting into the food service business and how that led you to your career in franchising? Sure. It started back in the in the mid 80s. You know, I made a I made a conscious decision to go to culinary school and and started my my higher education at Johnson and Wales University in Providence. Rhode Island. And I started in the culinary program and I did culinary for two years and and I received my culinary degree. But I I also learned during that two years, I did not want to be in a kitchen my entire career. And so I pivoted and I graduated with a hotel restaurant degree after four years and a culinary degree and was recruited at that time by Marriott. And I joined Marriott and host Marriott in 1986. And I thought I was going to go work in a hotel. And it turns out I was quote unquote, assigned to the airport restaurant division of Host, a subdivision of Marriott at the time. And so I started my career lifting kegs and running snack bars in the JFK International Terminal. And it it is there where franchising found me because in the late 80s, that is when franchising stumbled into airports as a growth vehicle for what we considered back then to be all the national players. And when I say national players back in the late 80s, I'm talking about Pizza Hut, talking about Starbucks. I'm talking about Burger King and Taco Bell. And they found airports as a growth vehicle. We were the operator exclusively in these terminals. And so I became a franchisee as part of Marriott Host in the second year of my career out of school and found myself being certified at Burger King and certified at Taco Bell and certified at Pizza Hut and certified at Starbucks because those were the brands that came into the International Arrivals Terminal in the late 80s. And so that's how I got involved with franchising. Great story. And so how did you get into the mainstream of franchising from there? So I spent 14 years with Marriott and Host and then on on the franchisee side. And then the entrepreneurial bug bit me and I decided to leave what I thought was the most lucrative career that anybody could have. I had at that point, I had a wife and three daughters and I resigned from the company, sold the house and moved the family to Southern California and started a restaurant company with two other colleagues from Marriott called Food Brand LLC. 
and we ended up mass releasing food courts in mills malls across the country and and again became franchisees of 26 different brands to operate those food courts i spent seven years doing that with food brand and then was recruited by compass to join creative host services another airport division left food brand joined Compass. And within, I think the first two months, that division was sold to SSP, another international airport concessions company, moved the family back to Virginia, became the chief operating officer of SSP America, and spent about three years doing that. And then really my big break, what I consider my big break in my career happened. And I was recruited to become the president of Moe's Southwest Grill based in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was the the first time that I moved into a single brand, but I moved into that brand, Mo Southwest Girl, as the franchisor, not the franchisee. So I had been in the franchisee side of franchising for many, many years. Now I became the president of Mo's based in Atlanta, and I was now the franchisor. Moved the family down to Atlanta and ran that brand for six years. It was right after the acquisition. Work Capital Group had bought Mo's. At that time, there were about 120 Mo Southwest Grills and running that company. For the next six years, I grew that to 700 locations. And that's where really the, the switch between franchisee and franchisor happened for me. What a great place to land and what a great organization to work with to get your feet under you on the traditional side of the franchise business. Did you work directly with Steve Romanello then? I did. Steve was the CEO. He was the founder of Focus Brands. When I joined, it was just Cinnabon, Carvel, and Schlotsky. So Moe's was the fourth acquisition in that holding company. Company, and that's when I joined. And Steve and I today are still very close friends. Well, what a great organization. I've had the privilege through the years to work around and be close to Steve on work that we did collectively for IFA and diversity and the Minorities and Franchising Committee before there was a diversity institute. Steve actually was the recipient of the IFA's diversity award one year before me. I'm very proud of that honor that I can share with somebody like Steve Romanello. That's fantastic. It is. It's a great part of my life and it's been a great and wonderful part of my career. So move us forward because you didn't stop there, right? Most wasn't enough for you. No, I thought I had put my fingerprint on a great brand in Moe's and Rourke at that time had asked me to step out of Moe's and become the president of Focus Brands. And at that time, there were six brands with a little over 5,000 restaurants and, and 20 companies. And so we had Cinnabon, we had Carvel, we had Annie Ann's, we had Moe's Southwest Grill, Schlotsky's Deli and McAllister's. And so I became the president of Focus Brands and ran that business for about three years. At such time that work came back to me and said, look, we've got this acquisition. It's the first time we're investing in a true startup and we're having some challenges. Would you go to Chicago and would you take over the reins as CEO of NAF, NAF, Middle Eastern Grill. And I had said, sure, because I had a fantastic career with work and I was ready for a new challenge. And so now we're empty nesters. So my wife and I move up to Chicago and there's this fantastic brand with 20 locations. And it's the first time Rourke had ever invested in a true startup. They were all company owned. It was founder led, but they had made some mistakes in their growth and it was time to change out the senior leadership team. And so I stepped in and in short order, worked on the culinary, worked on a franchise 
franchising plan to take this brand into a franchisee model, built a full team. And after about 18 months, we were ready to start selling franchises. And we successfully sold 20 franchises our first year. At the same time, really tuning up the brand. The food was absolutely amazing, which is the main reason I went to work for the company there because I wouldn't go if I didn't believe in the food. And it was very different and it was very healthy and it was going to take some time to sell franchises, but I was up for the challenge. And I did that. And fast forward three and a half, almost four years. And now we're in March of 2020. It was time for the country to fold in. We closed 100% of the company. At that wow. time, we had 36 company restaurants and we had, I don't know, half a dozen franchise locations. And it was time to fold up the tent due to COVID. And I did that. And I, I laid off the entire corporate office with the exception of the chief marketing officer and the chief financial officer. And they were kept on to keep the lights on. And it was ironic because at that point I was recruited to move back to Atlanta as the CEO of Global Franchise Group, the parent to Marble Slab Creamery, Great American Cookie, Roundtable Pizza, Pretzel Maker, and others. And for me, it was the right time. I had spent four years in Chicago. I don't know how many winters you've spent up there consecutively, but after four, mm -hmm. that was enough for me. And I was excited to get back to Atlanta where my three daughters were, as was my wife. And so we left Chicago. They recruited a new CEO who's still there today. And I jumped into the, the CEO's role of global franchise group. And in my first week, I had to close 700 locations across the country because all the malls in America were closing. Due what to a way to start. Yikes. Yeah. I was heavily medicated for a few months because mm -hmm. it was torture to watch from mom and pop to large organizations that were franchisees and had invested their lives in these businesses to watch them have to close all these ice cream and pretzel and cookie locations. And we we were the manufacturer as the franchisor. We were also the manufacturer of the uh, flour for the pretzels and for the dough for the cookies. And so our manufacturing facility, also based in Atlanta, had to shut down. So it was a tough few months for sure. But looking back on it now, the malls reopened. I would say 95% of our locations reopened, which was a, I thought was a fantastic number. I thought we were going to lose 30 to 40% of, of the locations, but we didn't. And we eventually opened everything back up. But that exercise, Stan, that that exercise caused the private equity that owned Global Franchise Group to get very nervous. And so they asked me to sell the company, put the company together and, and, and put a package together and sell it because it was such a heavily mall-based business. And, and in the, looking to the future as private equity, they were very nervous about that. And so I did that. We packaged it up and we ended up selling the company within seven months to Fat Brands based in LA, Andy Wiederhorn's company. And that put me out of a job, but that was okay. I was ready for a little break. And then and four months later, got a call from another good friend of mine and past Moe's franchisee, Aziz Hashim, based in Atlanta with NRD Capital. And he approached me with an opportunity to run this brand that I had never heard of called Fuzzy's Taco Shop, based in Dallas, Texas. And I spent some time studying the brand, came down and met with the team, toured 20, 30 restaurants, and was impressed with what I thought was a brand in the Southwest Mexican category that focused on tacos, but also also had breakfast all day and also had a full bar component and they were big box restaurants. Paul, why don't we hold on to that? Let this be a great place to come into a break and we can come back from that break, picking up on the fuzzies portion of your life and take a look forward. Sure. But I have to first ask you just personally how stressful and distressful it must have been to not just have to close all of those stores at NAFNAF, but then to assume a new role in a new company and be in that same position again. Mentally, I don't know how or 
emotionally, yeah. how do you deal with that? I mean, I look back on it often and reflect on it because it was, for me, it was, it was not just the franchisees that had to close their businesses. For me, it was the team that I had built that we had to furlough. And to have to do that twice in a three-month period mm. with two different companies wrapped up in a move, right, with your wife from Chicago to Atlanta trying to find a home. It was probably the most, I say it was the most difficult time in my 40-year career making that transition. That's whiplash, man. That is purely whiplash. You know, I made it. I'm here today. On a lighter note, rumor has it that you have another statistic that not too many people would share, that you're not a one or even a two-time, but a three-time undercover boss. Any truth to that? There is there is some truth to that. Yes, I, I was lucky enough. You know, when I joined Moe's back in 2008, I was approached by NBC pretty early on. And I just didn't think the brand or the team was ready for that kind of exposure. And at, the, and at that time, Undercover Boss was more of an expose, like, let's find out what's wrong with this company and expose it to the public. Nobody wanted to be part of that. So the bosses in the country stopped raising their hands. And then it, it morphed. The, the show morphed into giving back. And when that happened, they approached us again a couple of years later. And I felt like I felt like the team was ready because you put yourself out there. There's no hiding from this. You have to be able, you have to be comfortable putting yourself right. and family and the brand out there and fingers crossed everything goes okay. And I think for Moe's to say that I was part of something where I actually changed for the better five people's lives is a bit of an understatement because I gave away over $350,000 in gifts, life-changing gifts, college educations, new cars. I gave away a wedding, unbelievable things to people that did not have the wherewithal to have that kind of thing fall into their life. And so when you do that, that's an emotional thing. I don't know how many people actually can say that they've cried every day for 18 days. I did because the filming took 18 days in five different cities. And it was an emotional roller coaster for 18 days because you, you are getting to know the employees of the restaurants at a very, very granular level. And for Moe's and for me and my family, it was a very positive experience. And from a business sense, what came from that experience is that the brand's notoriety, but what was really nothing more than a super regional brand, we didn't consider ourselves national. It put us on the map and franchise sales after that show skyrocketed. And we started to get to the point where we were selling 150 deals a year and we were opening 100 restaurants a year. And that carries on for a few years. So it was a very positive experience. Awesome. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk all about Fuzzies, what that looks like today and where it's heading for the next one, three or five years out. We're talking today with Paul D'Amico, president of Fuzzies Taco Shops. We'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. In today's world, franchisors must apply systems that manage and support all aspects of franchise relationships. Whether it's supporting prospective franchisees on their discovery journeys or getting units opened and properly supported. Whether it's managing legal, compliance, and royalties or managing franchisee location and ownership information. I'm talking about the power of one. One system, one tool that manages it all for multiple stakeholders across 
across a single brand or across an entire enterprise for multi-branded portfolio companies. Yes, a single instance of FRM is all it takes across departments and across brands. No more multiple logins required. In fact, you don't need to log in at all. FRM is fully functional from inside your Gmail or Outlook inbox. You heard it right. One system providing a single source of truth that will push, pull, and integrate with data from other sources and databases thanks to open APIs. Plus, FRM offers dynamic and comprehensive dashboarding and robust reports on demand with customizations available across all departments and brands. So, replace inflexible take-it-or-leave-it platforms with a more personal approach to franchise relationship management and satisfy the needs of many with the power of one, the only one that lets you have it your way. Visit frmsolutions.com to learn more or to order up a demo today. And my conversation continues today with Paul D'Amico, president of Fuzzy's Taco Shops. And Paul, what a great brand. I've experienced Fuzzy's. I just look at Fuzzy's as a place that you can't wait to get to and then you never want to leave. Is that still pretty much the way it is? I, I think that, that our customer base would actually agree with you, yes. And so who is the customer base? Who is the prime target? And what is it that makes them the raving fans that they are for your brand? You know, there's a couple of things that really attracted me to want to leave this brand. We're not large. We're 135 locations in 18 states. But what really impresses me about this brand is that as I think about the franchise, franchise landscape. And I've played in, as a franchisor or a franchisee with over 30 brands in my career. There aren't many brands you can point to in a franchise setting that have breakfast all day, full bars, food made from scratch with culinary driven recipes in a high energy, big box format. Our restaurants are between four and 5,000 square feet. And so when you take all of that and you wrap it up and you are the leader in the value price point where our tacos are around the $3.25 range. So it's truly like a street taco, a Baja street taco. There aren't many people out there with that level of complexity in a franchise model for a product that continues to be on trend in this Mexican taco category. And so I love this brand and there's so much that we're doing with it to further make it appealing to the prospects and the high net worth multi-unit franchisees that are out there that are looking to diversify their portfolio. We've developed our first drive-through. We have what we call a taqueria, which is a 1500 square foot model for urban environments. And we're seeing success across the portfolio. So who's the core constituency? Who is your prime target? It's so interesting. And if I told you the demos were just 50% male, 50% female, 18 to 35, you'd say, okay, everybody's like that. And one of the things that's unique about this brand is I consider the demos to be what I witness. And as I travel the country and I go into these restaurants, you see everything from third shifters, right? So those are the nurses and the doctors that are working the graveyard shift because our restaurants open at 7 a.m. with a full bar. And this is the happy hour for nurses and doctors, mm, right? Interesting. You'll, you'll go into a Fuzzies and there'll be a, a dozen nurses at a table eating egg and chorizo tacos with a margarita, right? Because this is their night and it's really only seven o'clock in the morning. So that's interesting. That was very interesting to me. I've never experienced the third shift in any of the other brands or businesses that I've worked in. But if I if I told you what our dining rooms look like at lunch and or at dinner, I say to people, look, we have the landscapers and the painters and we have the doctors.
doctors and the lawyers. We have women, we have children, we have men, we have vegetarians, and we have people that like to eat breakfast all day. And it might be two o'clock in the afternoon and they're having egg burritos. So I tell you that the demos are very wide and very deep and we attract everybody. I think because of the price point, the average check at a Fuzzy's is around $19, but the, the average taco is $3. And so it's the full bar and people order three and four of those tacos that gets you to that average check. Very interesting. So does the restaurant become more of a bar in the later hours of the day? Depending on the market, the, the restaurants that we have, for example, in Colorado, that franchisee likes to build big bars. And so the average bar there has 30, 40 bar stools. So that is a place to go for happy hour, if you will. We have other locations in Fort Worth that have very small bars and it's more of a place for families and the soccer team to come to. So the system as founded prides itself on every restaurant feels a little different, both in size and design and size of bar. But for the system, we have a very healthy food to liquor mix. And you say it open at 7 a.m. What about closing time? The average restaurant closes around 10 p.m. We do have some that in college towns that'll stay open till two, three in the morning. So with 13 to what, 18 or 19 hours a day in today's world, how does labor work? How do you make that work for you? The thing that is unique about Fuzzies is we consider ourselves to be fast, casual plus. So what do I mean by that? We're not a scoop and dump concept like Moe's was, where you come in, you go down the line, you get your food and you sit down or you leave. Fuzzies is a a destination restaurant. And so there, there is an environment, there is music, and, and it's a place, you, as you mentioned, you want to be. What you don't see in a Fuzzies, though, is you don't see servers. And so when you come into a Fuzzies, you're greeted by the bartender because the bars are close to the front door. And the bartender takes your order off of the digital menu board. And then you get a pager or we take your cell number and you sit down. And when those two things activate, you go up to the expo window and you get your food from the line. It's a very guest interactive concept, and it's a very labor efficient model because we don't have servers on the floor. Very interesting. Well, let's move over to the franchise side of the business, Paul, and let's talk about what kind of a qualification it takes for somebody to capture your interest in who should be looking at Fuzzy's taco shops? Sure. The average deal size that we are selling right now is 10. And we don't want to teach franchising and we don't want to teach the restaurant business, right? So we're looking for existing multi-unit operators of other brands that have the infrastructure and the support necessary to sign a 10-store deal and get those 10 stores open within five years. And so that's the significant capital commitment and it's a significant overhead commitment. You've got to have the wherewithal to make that happen. And so we're not selling single store deals. We're not what most brands would call a mom and pop operation. We're looking to grow the brand fast. We're 138 restaurants today. We're looking to double that in the next few years. And you talked about NRD Capital when you entered the position, but company is under new ownership now, isn't it? It is. About a year after I joined Fuzzies and did the same thing I did at NAFNAF, tuned up the culinary, built a team around me of experts that have experienced rapid growth. The opportunity for NRD to put a book together on Fuzzies became real. We did that. We went through a process and came out the other side and sold Fuzzies Taco Shop to Dine Brands, the publicly traded parent company to Applebee's and IHOP. And we have officially been owned by them for one year now. So a question that maybe you can or can't answer, but I'll ask it anyway. As a person who's come through 
franchising as a franchisee and then became a franchisor in private equity, there's got to be a very significant difference in my view between being held publicly or held privately. And I wonder, just from the pivoting of the relationship between you and a publicly held entity that you sit at the head of, how do you manage the difference between the relationship with the franchisor and franchisees, who I call the stakeholders, and then your fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders as the CEO of a company serving in the public domain? I almost feel like sometimes there could be a tug of war between what you have to do or how you have to do it. Have you confronted anything like that? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a tug of war because that, you know, that has negative connotations to it, right? Because in a tug of war, there's a winner and a loser, right? I think it's more a balancing act. And I play that role on a daily basis. There are absolute benefits to being part of a larger parent company that is publicly traded. From a shared services perspective, I have resources at my disposal now for fuzzies that I may never have seen staying as part of private equity. I have an amazing IT support structure now. I have an amazing design and construction structure. I have a legal team. I have HR support. Those are things that brands eventually bring onto their team as part of private equity as they get into more of the two or three or 400 restaurants. I'm able to have access to all of those resources now with a brand that's 138 stores. Fair and equitable. That's a good answer. And it wasn't meant to be a contentious question, but it just felt to me like it's something I've never experienced. I don't know what it's like, but it would seem to me that if you have agendas that are best interest of the franchisee or the best interest of the shareholders, how do you manage that is kind of what I was wondering. You know, as as I grew up in, in my career, everybody I interacted with in my career, we always said, oh, we never want to be part of a publicly traded restaurant company. That's a nightmare. I will tell you that my experience, albeit only a year, has been an extremely positive one. And it has been amazingly efficient in what I would call the integration, because the integration of fuzzies into Dine, not just because they're public, but because they have certain policies and procedures and and the amount of technology that crosses everybody's desk today. We're 12 months, just about 12 months into it, and we're done with this integration. And I've gone through a lot of integrations in my years, and this is by far the most efficient and well-planned integration that I've ever been part of. Well, that speaks for itself, doesn't it? It does. So let's talk some now about the way forward. We've put a foundation down on the value of you as an executive. You've got incredible experience in culinary world and food and beverage world. So looking in a post-COVID world that we're living in, in the next one, three, or even five years, what kind of plans do you have for the growth of Fuzzies and how quickly are we going to start seeing stores popping up in the rest of the states? I think Fuzzies is at a place now where we feel very confident in the team and we've grown the team. We feel very good about our culinary and we've got some fantastic franchisees that are happy to share information and speak up about their experience with the brand. And we've just hired a new franchise sales team. And these are people that I have worked with over the last 20 years. And so I feel like the brand is ready to start to launch. We sell deals every month. We sell franchises every month. But I think now we're kind of on the precipice of some pretty aggressive growth, which is what I'm anticipating. And I feel good about the brand's position and where we want to take the brand. Last month, we sold the state of Nevada to a very well-capitalized IHOP and Wingstop franchisee. And so that individual is going to start opening restaurants in that state in the first quarter. We're on the verge of selling the whole state of Arizona to another franchisee. So the brand is attracting the right 
type of prospects for us. The sales team's job is to go find more of them. And I feel confident we can do that. All right, Paul, the toughest question of the day. You ready? Yes. What have I not asked you that you wished I did? Well, Stan, I hate that question. (laughs) Listen, I'm doing this 40 years now, and I'm still energized. I'm still excited about the restaurant space. I'm still excited about the franchising space. And as long as I love the work that I do and the people that I do it with, there's no stopping me. I'm going to take this brand and I'm going to grow it. You know, what I think might be the end of my career. I think I could end my career here at Fuzzies because I'm that enamored with the brand, the team, the ownership, and the resources that have really embraced this small taco shop. So I don't know that you haven't asked uh, any specific questions. I'll just say that I've really enjoyed what I've done in my career. Felt like I made the right decision out of high school. And here I sit 40 years later, pretty stoked about it still to this day. So Paul, with your years at Focus Brands and Focus was very focused when it came to benevolence and franchising gives back. Are there any pet charities, favorite charities at Fuzzies that you favor? Yeah, we are giant supporters of No Kid Hungry and have been for a number of years. It's something that our franchise community embraces. And we just finished our annual conference. We had No Kid Hungry there. It was, again, well-received. And it's always nice at conference when you can get the franchise community behind a cause around children. And and we took it a step further at our conference and we put together over a thousand backpacks with food in it for the local elementary schools to have food to take home. People on our team love that and giving back focused on children is what we believe. That's awesome. Well, Paul, we're at the place where it's time for contact info because I'm certain there are going to be people out here listening to this conversation that are going to want to know more. So how do they find you again? Stan, I would say the best way to reach me would be on LinkedIn. I also have a Facebook if they have a desire to learn a little bit more about me personally. And I would encourage anybody to reach out to me and I'll I'll respond to you. That's terrific. Paul, this is blown by in a hurry, but I've learned so much and I appreciate you carving out the time to share so much with the audience here on Franchise Today. Always happy to share my career. I really enjoy talking about it, Stan. And thanks for the invitation to be here today. You bet. Paul D'Amico, president of Fuzzy's Taco Shop. Well, that does it for today. Join me again next week and every Wednesday at noon Eastern as I drop new interviews with some of the most dynamic, interesting, and successful executives in franchising. Next week, we'll put a spotlight on veterans in franchising to celebrate Veterans Day. But until then, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.